welcome to the Real Family Guys podcast with Jeff Emery and Trey Gibson, the show where education and experience collide to help you go deeper in your parenting. Broadcasting from Abilene, Texas, here are your hosts, Jeff and Trey. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Real Family Guys podcast. This is the show where experience and education collide. To take you deeper in your parenting. That's right, Jeff and I have been out of the saddle for a while. Our date today is October the 14th, 2016. Our topic for today is going to be, if he's good, he's our kid, but if he's bad, he's yours. We're going to talk a little bit today about how passive aggression hurts our kids. And it's not just the passive aggression that we use with our kids. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also more specifically going to focus on how marital resentment, whenever we hold marital resentment and we are passive aggressive with our spouses, that can be just as hurtful, if not in some cases more hurtful with our kids. Stay tuned for that. If you've been passive aggressive with your spouse recently, I mean, I know I haven't. Let's talk a little bit about how that impacts (laughs) our kids. Before we do that, let's get into some quick housekeeping for today. If you guys want to stay notified of all the new episodes that happen here at the Real Family Guys podcast, because Sometimes there's going to be lulls like there have been recently, but you want to know when that next episode comes out. Simple, easy way to do that. Jump over to thefamilypodcastnetwork.com, and if you look down, it says don't miss a show. When you put your email address and your name in there and you click subscribe, kaboom, that'll put you on a list to make sure that every time a new episode hits here at the Real Family Guys podcast, you'll get a little email that says, hey, Trey and I just posted a new stuff, signed Jeff. Just for you guys. It is completely free. We do not spam your email address, and you will not get excessive emails outside of the ones to let you know about the new episodes that come out here. Make sure you jump over there. Get yourself added onto that list, and make sure you never miss out on that one show. Had you just heard it that week, it could have changed everything. Guys, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, something that you want to hear us go over, or sometimes we've had a few of you guys like, hey, I saw this article, thought you might like it, please shoot it over to us. Even if it's just like something we've covered before, shoot it over because Jeff and I want to talk about it. There may be some good material that we've covered, but we haven't covered it in a certain angle. Shoot that over to us. We need you guys, and when y'all shoot that over to us, it allows us to be much more dynamic in responding to the stuff that you guys want to hear about. So make sure you do that. A lot of simple and easy ways you can do that. You can always email us at Trey Gibson at the Family Podcast Network, uh, dot com. You can also email Jeff at Jeff at TexasFamilyInstitute.org. Yes, we do make sure that whoever you send it to, we feel like we are more special and more important than the other person. I'm just kidding. <laughs> send it to either one of us. It doesn't matter. Whichever one's easiest for you to type in, uh, shoot those over to us. Guys, you can also call us. You can call us at 661-PARENT-0. Again, that is 661-PARENT and the number zero. Whenever you do that, don't worry. You're not going to go right on a show. You'll be able to re- do uh, just a Google voicemail recording. So you can just record your message, ask us your questions, shoot us over what you want to hear, or if you want to email us one of those articles to one of those email addresses you can do that we will make sure that we try to get it onto a show just for you guys all right with all of the housekeeping out of the way today jeffrey it's been way too long we have been out of the saddle but we're back in it hiya what are we talking about today (laughs) well you know passive aggression is uh it's kind of an interesting topic I, i think that we experience it to some degree in a lot of our relationships, but it flies under the radar just because it is kind of passive. One of my one of my favorite jokes that kind of illustrates passive aggression um, is uh, the the story about the uh, the mom who gives her uh, her adult son two sweaters at Christmas time. You know, it's, it's it's something nice. You open up, you know, Christmas presents, you get some sweaters. And uh, for New Year's, he goes over to her house and he decides he's going to wear one of the sweaters. So he shows up wearing the sweater that he got from her for Christmas. And the first thing she says is, "What? You didn't like the other one?" <laughs> Let that one sink in there for a second. It's, it's, you can't win for trying, right? And so, <laughs> so she's not she's not overtly aggressive, but at the same time, she kind of sets this condition where you can't possibly win, right? Um, 
And I find that uh, that passive aggression is something that uh, that because we don't pay a whole lot of attention to it, or because we don't see it as as aggressive aggressive, uh, then we don't really think it's a problem. And so I, I run into this article that talks about how passive aggression hurts children, and I'm like, man, this is good stuff, and we ought to talk about it on the Real Family Guys podcast. So well, that's how we got here. Real quick, let's talk about what is passive aggressive. I mean, I think we hear about that in the pop psychological sense, the pop psych sense, uh, but a lot of times we don't take the time to define exactly what it is. So let's just talk about what we're what Jeff and I talk about. Jeff, please feel free to add an addendum uh, or make sure. corrections as I go. But what we're talking about is any kind when we feel upset or hostile towards somebody and we try to express that in an indirect way. So a direct way would be I'm upset and I'm angry and I shout at my kids, right? Or I'm upset and I'm angry and I slam the door when my wife's trying to talk to me, right? That's that is more of a direct what we're talking about is like the indirect expression of what we're going through. That can be things like procrastinating. So if your spouse comes in and asks you to do something and you keep putting it off solely because maybe you're upset that they asked you to do it. Uh, if you're being sullen, like you ever just, you know, somebody asks you to come do something or you sulk about it or maybe there's mm, a responsibility yeah. that you have to do with the kids and you're sullen about it, you don't want to do it and you're just fussing about the fact that you do it. Maybe you're being stubbornly resistant. Uh, and in some cases when you see it kind of recur over and over and over what you'll see is is that like when somebody has a responsibility that they're supposed to do and we know it's that person's responsibility to, to accomplish what we're asking, they repeatedly fail not to do it. A lot of these things can be signs of passive-aggressive behavior. Don't get me wrong. There can be other things that these can be significant of. What makes it different from not understanding directions or whatever else is that it's typically leaked to a hostil- hostility that we're feeling towards uh, the person maybe who asked it to do it or maybe just in life in general. It can be a lot of different things. But when we say passive aggressive behavior that's what jeff and i are going to be talking about today particularly in lieu with our spouses uh whenever right. we are hostile towards our, our our spouses in that indirect way what does that do with our kids you know i'd actually expand it beyond hostility trey even um somehow expressing hurt in indirect ways as well like um if my feelings have been hurt i'm i may withhold affection or withhold compliments or something like that because i want them to feel hurt too and I'm not going to come right That's out good. and say it, and I'm not going to do something uh, directly hurtful. I'm not going to hit them, or I'm not going to take something away from them uh, physically, but I will uh, avoid them, refuse to spend time with them, or something along those lines so that they will become frustrated as well, so that I don't have to be the only one who's had their feelings hurt. So the reason that uh, I think this flies under the radar and and, and where it, it kind of hit me in the feels is, um, is when I'm working with couples in therapy, a lot of times... Um, they they're coming to therapy because they're in conflict but they think that they're doing conflict well because it's not um yelling and fighting in front of the kids right and what i found in this article is i started to read it um i say this article i keep referring to it but i haven't introduced it to our listeners yet so um in the atlantic uh which is a a magazine and this case uh, an an e-magazine uh this was published october 6th there's an article called how passive aggression hurts children written by cindy lamoth and she starts off um, looking into some research that talks about uh, the ways that the couples are in conflict and then how that conflict uh, can can have an effect on children. And she starts off by um, 
uh, interviewing a professor of psychology from the University of Notre Dame, uh, E. Mark Cummings, and uh, his his opening quote for this article is, children are like emotional Geiger counters. Mm. Uh, he says that over the past 20 years, he's done extensive studies on, on the effects of marital discord, and he explains that children are incredibly attuned to parents' emotional communication with each other. And uh, just like a Geiger counter can pick up unseen radiation, children are able to pick up on unseen emotions. Yeah. And, uh, and that in turn causes stress for them. And so they, uh, they can suffer emotional stress just because mom and dad are non-verbally. It's that stuff. It's like, um, I may not be calling my partner names, but, uh, like you said, Trey, if, uh, if my wife said, hey, come in here and help me fold the laundry. And I said, okay, I'll be in there in a second. And then I deliberately ignore her for the next half hour. Your kids notice that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they pay attention to your behavior and they pick up on, on the, uh, the tension and the hostility, even if it's not overt. You know, it's interesting to me how many of the, the bad behavior, when I see my kids portraying a bad behavior, when I really stop to think about it, when I take it out of the context of them being kids and the fact that they just did it to daddy, right, or whatever, <laughs> there, I start to think, holy crap, you know, I did that to Corey just the other day because I was <laughs> upset about this. I was frustrated about that. And at the time, it seemed like a really great idea, right? You know, I'm being, you know, passive aggressive. But I think it's interesting, though, that, that when I do those things, our little eyeballs are watching all, all the time. Absolutely. And not only do they notice it, but um, oftentimes we don't realize that we're modeling how we're handling our emotions. And that's something that, uh, that we're actually teaching a lesson by how we handle this stuff. Um, and I think we said it often enough, Trey, that, uh, that as, as you and I are, are giving our feedback and our experiences uh, – one of the one of the key things we've gotten some uh, some feedback from readers about this that how real we are that we're not saying this stuff because we're we're perfect examples of, of how to be great husbands and great fathers and stuff it's 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 precisely because this speaks to me because as much as I know not to do it I still find myself exhibiting some of these some of these behaviors um, and you know when it comes to our kids picking up on those things even if we're trying not to not to show them I can think of just this last weekend uh, I was grumpy and uh, and out of my grumpiness, I, I was, you know, I thought that I was just not being mean and I was just kind of keeping quiet and, and kind of dealing with myself. But I, I took Eleanor to ballet and we rode there in silence. And then when I went to pick her up, um, I picked her up and she's like, Hey, thanks for getting me dad. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, it's four o'clock. I was picking you up. She said, well, we actually finished half an hour early. And I'm like, well, why didn't you call me? She said, well, because I, I could tell that you were upset and I didn't want you to be upset that I, and I was like, Whoa, so you sat here for an extra half hour just because you didn't want me to, to grump at you. <laughs> and then I, I realized, okay, how is my grumpiness that, you know, how's this being perceived by my children? My daughter was afraid to call me cause she didn't want to upset me and I'm not even <laughs> a mean guy. So here I am. So anyhow, like I said, this stuff jumps out at, at me as well, and and so the truth of what uh, Dr. Cummings uh, said here at the at the opening of this article is that yeah, our kids pick up on on those things, and that type of, of discord when they when they see it happening between the parents, it can interfere with their behavior because it interferes with their sense of emotional security. If they don't feel safe to connect with us, then it's going to change how they behave toward us. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Well, and, and not only with us, uh, you know, the research goes on to uh, to show other um, types of effects when our kids uh, have their, their sense of emotional security rocked. It says that uh, when exposed to pro prolonged unresolved conflict, kids are more likely to get into fights with their peers at school, 
to show signs of distress, anger, and hostility. It may even um, give them some somatic issues like uh, like trouble sleeping or or nervousness, um, things that could un- undermine their academic performance. It can affect their psychological well-being, uh, anxiety, depression, so- social withdrawal, right? Um, and the, in one particular study that, that they note here, um, some kids had physiological reactions um, to the stress within the family conflict, like elevated heart rate and blood pressure, right? It's crazy stuff when we think that it affects not only our behavior, but it can actually affect uh, the blood pressure of our kids just to deal with the tension that mom and dad are having. Well, you know, I think whenever we talk about this idea of passive aggression, what it does to kids, I think it's really easy to to look at the, the bad behaviors that they pick up on, and that's very important. That's valuable for us to do. But I, I, th- I think every kid fundamentally in most cases, I'm saying most cases, uh, have a desire to see their mom and dads get along. Yeah, I mean, you see true. it. You see it often in kids that even after years of fighting and a divorce, that these kids still have this this desire of wishing mom and dad would get back together. And so, I think that there's this fundamental connection that we have with these two people. And uh, when when parents are expressing these kinds of negative emotions towards each other. I mean, you got to realize that for this kid, they don't see that person as the horrible other person. They may even agree with some parents in some cases when right. we're talking about that, but deep down inside, they see them as a part of them. Now, I've heard some people use, you know, some researchers have talked about it on a on a, a genetic level. They say because of the you know the the genetic alleles and the the DNA coding is so similar that we protect that. Maybe it is some of that. Some argue it from more of the the socio you know the socio perspective of you know they're they're the family they've ingratiated themselves towards them and because of that they have this stro- you know this close strong bond what I leave more towards the bond but that's more my personality and how I, I filter my worldview but these kids have this close desire to each side of it so when we choose to be passive aggressive with our spouse we are not just saying or doing passively hurtful things to this other person to a small sense we're doing it to our kids now it may not be direct we may not be like hey here's my kid grant and because i'm being a jerk to my wife you know passive aggressive jerk to my wife here i'm going to hurt you too but it is a collateral damage whether we want it to be or not it is a collateral damage that we push onto our kids and so whenever i mean think about somebody that you love and you care about very deeply i mean like right now really bring that person into your mind what do you do if somebody that you care about maybe a close friend maybe a boss that you respect talks poorly of them how does that affect you you love them you go home to them and you care about this person or you talk to them on their phone because they're your best friend but then somebody is talking junk about him what does that do to you well, you get defensive oh my gosh and i yeah. imagine there's a physiological reaction that we have that uh-huh. goes along with that and it messes us up and let me tell you kids who are still learning to deal with emotions and become more emotionally intelligent not only do i think that it is just as prevalent for them in a lot of ways they have a hard time doing this because not just because they're young but because this is their mama this is their daddy yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think in a lot of ways it's hardwired for us to, uh, if we're connected to somebody emotionally, that when we see, um, you know, certain behaviors directed at them that are not, you know, loving and kind as well, that, that we do. We we feel like collectively like we're like it's happening to us as well, right? Yeah. 
you know, and we looked at some of the research that uh, that the author writes in uh, in this article uh, because she didn't look at just one article. She actually has a lot of great links in here. Um, and for those of you who like to actually go to the Real Family, um, I'm sorry, not the Real Family Guys webpage, the Family Podcast Network webpage, and uh, and and look at the show notes here. We'll we'll have a link to this article so uh, so you can follow through on some of these links and see the different um, uh, studies that that were cited here. Um, but one of the things that fascinated me, Trey, was um, that there were there were two levels uh, that, that I noticed in, into the in some of the research. One level was uh, what's happening non-verbally, right? So mm-hmm. passive aggression can be sarcasm and it can be you know, little verbal jibes and things like that. But even without the words, uh, some passive aggressive behaviors were things that uh, that. Um, that indicated nonverbal hostility. What what they did is they brought parents into a laboratory and they recorded videotapes of them discussing difficult top, topics and then showing those recordings to the children and watching the children's emotional responses. Mm-hmm. And what the children would notice were the dirty looks that uh, the, the mom and dad gave each other, the sulking or refusing the answer. And watching their parents have those behaviors they said was just as upsetting as as verbally lashing out um and so i thought that was fascinating that they're picking up on nonverbals, which makes a whole lot of sense when i when i do the talks that i do with uh, with families about communication i go through the communication cycle nonverbal behavior makes up or nonverbal communication makes up um what is it 60 to 90 percent of our of our actual communication that's huge right so it makes sense that our kids are paying attention to that but what i found really fascinating was that in another experiment um, the parents were asked to write diaries uh, at home where they kept track of conflicts that happened both in front of their kids and things that happened behind closed doors. And what they concluded when the researchers went through those diaries and, and looked at everything that was done is that children understand even with stuff uh, understand the stuff that's going on even when it's happening outside their view. Fascinating, right? Yeah, it says, you know, children are are like these sophisticated analysts. They can tell when their parents are only pretending to resolve their problems as opposed to actually solving them, right? So if we as parents think, oh, hey, we've smoothed this over, we're going to put our smiles on and and come out of the bedroom with smiles on as a united front and the kids are going to think everything's okay, Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, that's not what the research says. You know that fascinates me. You know, I'm always I'm always very uh, uh, interested at how kids are so sensitive to their environments, how they're so sensitive to those little small passive things that really I think as we get older, I don't know if we lose that capacity to be able to see those things, or if we just become less sensitive to them, or or if we become so enmeshed in ourselves. I always wonder what that is, but I, I think it is so fascinating that kids can sense that. I can't tell you how many times you know Corey and I will have a conversation the night way like. At night when everybody's asleep and things don't end very well, right? We get up the, the next morning and how kids can just tell immediately uh, when things are going on. I remember a while back, something had happened, and I remember Anna had asked me. She was like, "Dad, is everything okay?" And you uh, know, and I, you know, of course, I was, "Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine, baby." But I couldn't <laughs> figure out. I said, "But why do you ask?" And I don't even remember what it was. But she said, "Well, normally <laughs> you and mom do this." And y'all didn't do that this morning. I was like, oh, holy crap. I was so preoccupied by this conversation that I I didn't even realize that we hadn't done that. But she picked up on that. I mean, just like that. And I I really genuinely believe that my daughter is just, I mean, she's very average. I mean, she's not like a, you know, a a savant or anything like that. But she she picked up on those little little things. I mean, she is in her own way had 10 years of experience. I mean, our kids get 10, like my my 10-year-old daughter has 10 years of experience of becoming an expert in her mom and dad. And so she sees those little things when they're not there. 
there and, and they and they can pick up on that. And uh, so anyway, I find that absolutely fascinating. So this is a message to those folks that are like, well, we really keep it. We really keep this in between us. We're very private about this. I don't think they understand. The answer is, yes, they do in some capacity, maybe in all capacities. They are absolutely sensitive to these things. That's So we're saying all of this. Why are we going through all this? We're really trying to emphasize, no matter what you may think about your passive aggression and your fighting, if you may think that you're keeping it controlled and, and well-regulated, your kids are seeing through your facade, at least in some capacity. So, Trey, the article doesn't directly say this, but uh, but would you draw the conclusion that um, that in some to some degree, if we can handle conflict well that it might even be beneficial to have our conflict as long as it's it's appropriate you know it's not stuff that's inappropriate but to have our conflict actually in front of our kids so that we could model what healthy conflict resolution looks like instead of what passive aggression or or you know unhealthy conflict resolution looks like Absolutely, I agree. Corey and I are firm proponents for allowing our kids to see those things. Don't get me wrong. We're not looking to fight in front of our kids or anything like that, but we are never looking to try and segregate that. Uh, We want our kids to know a a few things. First off, conflict uh, amongst anyone is normal. It doesn't matter whether you work at your office. That's right. It doesn't matter if it's your office. It doesn't matter if it's with your kids. It doesn't matter if it's with your your spouse. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Conflict is normal, and there is an appropriate way to conflict with each other. Uh, If you want to think about it, I love mixed martial arts. I take mixed martial arts every, every single week, twice a week, and I love it. And there are clean rules and there's dirty rules uh, we do a lot of kickboxing for instance and there's there, whenever your kickboxing is done correctly it is it is fun it'll ring your bell don't get me wrong but it is fun <laughs> it is enjoyable and when you get done at the end of the day you're ready for it the next time right you're not going to shy away from it or you're not going to be angry and try to like you know kick them in the testicles or something like that right because <laughs> you, you, you played by the rules and it's designed to be that way but when you get fighting when you get to fighting dirty it has a tendency to change everything about it. And so we want our kids to see how do we fight with rules? And they cannot do that if they don't get the opportunity to watch it occur in front of us. And so we're big proponents. Fight in front of your kids. Fight fairly in front of your kids. Learn good. good. But And here's another thing. I'm not saying all of this because Corey and I are the proper exercise in how to do it appropriately. There have been times in front of the kids that we have done it wrong. However, that has also meant that I have had to sit down in front when the kids were watching and apologize to my wife for being absolutely inappropriate in something I said or how I said it or being dirty. I mean, I've fought dirty before. And kids need to see that too. Yeah, they need to see these things. They need to see their parents be less than perfect because they are less than perfect and it helps them feel normal. And, you know, unfortunately, I've had plenty of opportunities to normalize <laughs> people uh, not not being at their best and not handling things well. But I, I really do, uh, as weird as it sounds, I appreciate those opportunities to demonstrate to my kids what um, what um, the, the repair work looks like. Because, um, you know, p- people don't don't handle poor, uh, things poorly on purpose. As a matter of fact, she mentions that here in the article. You know, we, we usually think that we're doing the right thing and that by covering it up and trying to, to play nice with each other and and just kind of tuck unresolved stuff, you know, underneath the surface so that our kids don't have to be directly affected by it. We think that we're doing that we're doing the right thing. And I think my whole desire and, and point in wanting to bring this article on the show today is to highlight that 
Um, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, we need to be willing to think critically about how we do things and ask ourselves, I may think I'm doing pretty well with it, but am I really, right? And I love being able to look at evidence-based outcomes and say, wow, okay, I, I may have thought that I was doing it well, but um, apparently, you know, if I'm doing these things, if I'm having conflict that's, uh, that's, you know, that's simmering under the surface, if I'm holding a grudge, if I'm, you know, doing some of those things that, that would be uh, characterized as passive aggressive, well, maybe I, I need to, to think about do, doing things differently. And, you know, when they when they get down to it at the conclusion of the article, they they do have some healthy tips for us as as far as what we do need to be doing as parents. And part of it is what we were saying just a minute ago, Trey, that we need to. Um, First of all, we need to have a healthy way of resolving conflict, and second, we don't need to hide that from the kids, right? Yeah. Um, when it comes to what our children see, the, the distinction is not if we fight or if we don't fight. It's whether the, that fighting is constructive or destructive. Yeah, I, um, I, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of clients that uh, that are by the time they come see me in in couples counseling, um, they've already behaved in such a way where they they've hurt each other, and it's not that. It's not even the content of what they were fighting about. It's how they were fighting, right? And so I've often asked, I've said, what if it were possible that you could go into an argument with your partner with the utter confidence that at the end of the argument, you were still going to feel cared for and loved? Wouldn't wouldn't that make arguing a little bit easier because we wouldn't worry that, that we were going to be hurt or damaged so much in the process of arguing about something that we that we then develop habits where we avoid arguing or we avoid conflict and, and we get into that passive-aggressive mode, right? What if I, I could know the entire time we were arguing that you're not going to stop loving me and that you're going to argue with me in a way that doesn't um, – belittle or impugn my character, right? That, that we could disagree without being disagreeable. Would that make our conflict different? And without fail, people are like, man, yeah, if we could argue like that, we, we might actually <laughs> we might actually solve some of our problems, you know? <laughs> you know, really, I'm going to say that one of the, you know, I, and I think back, you know, I, I feel like Corey and I's marriage, we've gone through some mess and we've come out right now. I, I'm absolutely honored. I love being my wife's husband. I, I enjoy my wife. She's my, one of my best friends. And, you know, I, I retrospectively look back sometimes because people will ask, you know, what's been y'all's success? You know, what's gotten you here? And I, I do. I, I mean, really, I mean, when I think about this topic today, one of the main ones, I can't look at you and say that I haven't been passive aggressive turd nugget <laughs> to my wife before. And she will attest to that. And uh, and so I think what has been what has been some of the most success for us and and one of those things is is that we 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 oh, we walk in with that mentality there that we're going to come out of this we're going to be okay and uh, and that we can do this in a way that even if we still walk out not seeing eye to eye with stuff we still love each other and uh, and they're still valuable to us and uh, that's been that's been really good I'll, I'll give most of the credit to my wife for being that way but it works. <laughs> Well, you know, she she probably had to work on you for a while, but uh, but she's getting you trained, so that's good. That's good. You know, when what we were just talking about that that getting to a point where our arguing is um, is helpful because we're actually solving something. The uh, the conclusion that we come to uh, in the article, uh, Dr. Cummings says that um, that even though we spent the first part of, of this podcast and even the first, you know, looking at the first part of this article talking about how negative passive aggression could be and how much we tend to not notice that we're doing it, right, and, and how destructive it can be on our kids and the outcomes, uh, he says the good news is that the research found over and over again that if partners can work together toward a resolution and kids can see that positive emotionality, it can wipe away the negative impact, right? Yeah. And so that, that gives us a little bit of hope. 
it's possible to change our patterns. It's possible to do things a little bit differently. Um, and it's not going to save every situation, but there are resources that can help couples better navigate their relationship to set a good example for their children. Um, one of the things that, uh, that came out from the research uh, is from one of my favorite researchers in couples research is uh, John Gottman. Um, wrote a book along with Nan Silver called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And one of the things that they noted that was that was the one of the biggest factors was something called emotional intelligence, uh, which is basically um, it's basically empathy. It's it's noticing the emotions of the other person and allowing their emotions to matter as much as my emotions matter, right? Um, and if we can notice those things and embrace each other's needs rather than constantly disagreeing with and resisting each other, then we are more likely to give our kids the skills that they need to be in touch with their feelings, which is a predictor of success, uh, no matter how uh, intelligent, no matter what their actual academic IQ is, their emotional IQ or emotional intelligence uh, is is a factor in in success for their later life. You know, it always fascinates me how little emphasis we put on understand genuinely understanding emotions. And uh, it, you know, whenever I go through like when we're, we're when I'm trying to expand somebody's emotional intelligence, well, I'm afraid back when I used to do therapy like stuff. Whenever I, we were working on emotional expansion and kind of understanding more of that stuff, you know, is oh, the stuff as it comes out, most people responded to it as kind of like a oh yeah, that's incredibly intuitive. And but it, but for them, it was a completely foreign concept. I mean, there's almost <laughs> just like this big void that's left in this idea of what am I feeling and I'm not I mean most people are fairly you know cognizant or they're they're aware of like kind of like the base I call them like prime like thinking primary colors they kind of got primary emotions down you know and most of the time those are a little weak but I don't think folks realize that it's like a computer you know you've got that color wheel to choose from and there's like billions of color combinations that each have their own hexadecimal number that you can pick from mm -hmm. whenever you're working with colors and emotions are a lot like that there are so many emotional states that we can be in and while we may have a general one you know I'm feeling you know sad sometimes it's not just sad I'm feeling depressive you know what I mean and so it, it always fascinates me that we just we don't have very a very deep understanding of emotions but I do agree with what they're saying here in this article is that when we choose to exercise and, and expand that intelligence a lot of times you see kids do phenomenologically better whether they talk about it can hear they talk about academic IQ or getting along with others, a lot of times when we just understand what the junk's going on inside here, and we can we can put that into to some words that are very descriptive that help other people, I think that's where magic happens, because I think most magic occurs with connection. That's what makes therapy amazing, right? That's what makes our best friends amazing. Absolutely. Is that we connect with them, because we express this emotion that we're having, and then that person can go, oh, holy crap, I've been there before. I know what that feels like, at least that emotion, because I remember this one time. And when we can sit there and say, oh, wow, this person knows kind of what this is like, bam, oh, man, it's amazing what, what can happen here. And, and I think this is I think it's brilliant on-the-spot stuff here. I love this, this idea. So hopefully our discussion this evening has uh, has brought everyone to kind of the the self reflective place where where we can say okay we've heard what's helpful what's not helpful now I need to ask 
um, what does my relationship look like? When I have conflict, uh, am I able to express my my feeling? Am I able to tolerate hearing my spouse express their feeling? Because I, I think that that's one of the hardest things is not necessarily expressing what you feel, but being able to hear your, your partner express what they're feeling without taking it personally, especially yeah. when I'm involved in how they're feeling, right? It, it's, it's hard to separate yourself from that and not get into this defensive place. But if it's possible... For us to uh, to do that, I think that uh, that we can uh, we can start to gauge what is my emotional intelligence. Am I able to respond to my partner with empathy? And if I can do that, uh, I think what we'll find is that we're going to get to a place of resolution a whole lot faster. And instead of having this uh, this simmering three or four day passive aggressive. We're not talking to each other. We're communicating in notes or, or communicating through the kids. Tell your mother. You tell your father, you know, <laughs> you're doing, that, doing that kind of stuff that can take days to resolve. Uh, we might be pleasantly surprised that we can get through conflict in a matter of, uh, of you know, uh, hours, uh, one day or less. We can get through that conflict and actually reach some resolution and get back to the business of loving each other and being in healthy relationship as a family instead of spending days, um, you know, circling each other in, in, you know, some sort of weird passive aggressive dance. So I hope we can ask ourselves that. I hope we can um, we can come to a good answer. And whatever answer we conclude, of course, whatever level of functioning you're at, there's always room for improvement. That's what I tell myself. Um, and so I'm going to continue scouring the interwebs, looking for uh, for for things to bring to this podcast, uh, whether it's passive aggressive or whether it's aggressive aggressive. Uh, I'm going to do it anyhow because I love doing it. And uh, if there's anything that you guys run across uh, while you're out there cruising the inter- interwebs, uh, you want to send it to us and have Trey and I give our take on it. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we hope you join us again for more in the future. We'll see you guys next week. 